The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Corey, how you been? You know, I'm good. Well, there you go. Woman, a few <laughs> words today. Um, we <laughs> are gonna, his part. <laughs> uh, we keep going behind the scenes, but we're recording back-to-back, not Movie Club episodes, but we're recording Movie Club before we record our top five episode this week. Um, basically, just trying to balance out my hectic schedule um i start teaching college this week uh, at night so i have to make sure i am gonna have plenty of time to do everything i have to do as well as um you know still catch some movies because i'm not giving up my sight so um if you've never listened to movie club before uh this is a, a podcast where Corey and i have a huge massive gap list of films that we've not seen and uh we started this podcast almost two years ago at least a year and a half ago, to um, start weeding down that list. And uh, we've done quite a few um, over the last two years. And we do one movie a week. Um, This year we've done themes. And the month of August for 2018 has been high school movies. And so this week's episode, we're going to be talking about George Lucas's American Graffiti. Um, But before we get into our review of that film, and uh, do know we do a partial non-spoiler review where we give our kind of initial feelings um, we'll give a spoiler warning and then we'll jump full into American Graffiti. But first, we like to talk about what we've been watching. Uh, it won't be quite as extensive as we do sometimes, but <clears throat> um, Corey, what have you seen uh, since the last time we recorded? You know, um, I haven't even talked to you about it, but I went and saw Black Klansman. Ah, I also yeah. saw that, I think, since we recorded. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember yeah, when we recorded last. <laughs> I think I know it's been like five years. Um, and then we both saw Slender Man, which I think oh. unanimous. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> do you know that I really hope, though, I really like Joey King and like the yeah. three movies that I've seen her in, but I hope that she goes on to be a screen queen, a scream queen. And I was talking to one of my friends about, you know, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. She's a scream queen. Yes. But people still take her seriously. True. And I think that that is so amazing um and i'm pretty hyped about the new halloween movie i need to rewatch the first two so i'm ready and then i watched uh castle rock all Mm. five of the first episodes i've heard good things about that show i've not watched any yet but um several of my friends are watching it and praising it um i uh i hated slender man so so much um it is currently i think my least favorite movie of the year no, I have some that are even worse than that, so... Well, uh, Winchester is up there, but I think Slender Man was worse, and Truth or Dare was worse, but it was, like... I don't know, it wasn't as bad. Like, Slender Man's bad. Like, it's poorly constructed. There are tons of issues just every which way. Um, just the characters alone don't even seem remotely believable. Uh, and I, I was I was really disappointed with Joey King in this movie, which... Um, I don't. You haven't watched Kissing Booth on Netflix, which is her most <clears throat> recent uh, rom com, and that movie's garbage. Um, but dang it! Yeah, and I don't know if that's her so much. I think I just think that movie's garbage. And from what my students say, they all seem to really like it. All the 
all the students that have um, actively uh, watched it um, seem to have liked it. Uh, so maybe it hits the demographic, and I'm just not that. It, uh, I'm definitely not the demographic, but um, I've seen a lot since we last recorded for sure, but I won't spend too much time. I'm just going to fly through and then stop on one. Um, I saw The Meg, which wasn't okay. Uh, I rewatched Whiplash and La La Land. I freaking love those movies so, 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 so much. Um, I liked Black Klansman a whole lot. Did you enjoy it? I did. I was really impressed with uh, the way he was able to weave so much humor yeah. Into it without it, without, I don't know how to explain it, without it taking kind of taking away. Yeah. It, it didn't yes. undercut the message that he was going for. Um, I agree. I just read a review that was very scathing of it. Um, and Get out of here. Well, I, I got to say the, that it was well articulated um, and the points they made. I, I didn't, I don't feel like they gave enough evidence to support their points, but I thought they, I thought it was well articulated. Um, uh, I watched uh, for I'm going to be teaching this film, so I, I needed to watch it because I had not seen it, but I've seen clips from it. Um, it's an old Jackie Chan movie from 1983 called Project A. Um, it's it's he has always been kind of um, connected to like the silent filmmakers like Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, Harold Lloyd. He's always like um, been kind of referenced to because of his style of like action comedy and um and the way he delivers that that humor uh, is very much visual. It's not doesn't need the setup of dialogue or whatnot. And um, Project A, he pays homage in one sequence to all three of those silent guys. And so I'm teaching my kids about the silent era, but it's I, I feel like it's a Herculean task to expect ninth graders to um, watch a silent film. So I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the silent guys watch some clips but then for our full-length film we're gonna watch project a instead which is you know it's 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 older but it's still it has dialogue it is the version i own is dubbed and so that's gonna be i think it adds to the kind of comedic value of it in a way because you know like you have that um the lips don't match the words because it's dubbed and it's you know i i actually bought it expecting subtitles because i've watched you know i've been watching a lot of movies and and i forgot that that was a trend in kung fu movies for a long time to to dub instead of subtitles um, so I didn't even think to look when I bought it and I was like, oh, well, this could be interesting. Um, I rewatched Inside Leland Davis, uh, which I love even more, I think, than the first time I watched it. Um, and then the big one for me, uh, also for my classes, but, uh, um, was The Elephant Man. David Lynch's The Elephant Man from 1980. Oh. Oh, man. Uh, one, if you're a David Lynch fan, uh, Corey, I know you do like Twin Peaks and we had, I think, kind of shared views of the craziness that was Eraserhead. Um, Elephant. I was more, uh, I was disturbed by yes, that movie. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I don't think either of us said it was a bad movie, but I don't think either of us necessarily were like looking to watch it again, kind of thing. Ever. Um, but I, uh, I went in um, with Elephant Man, knowing it was supposed to be one of his more straightforward films and not as Lynchian as a lot of his other stuff. And that is very true. It is much more straightforward. Um, Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt um, are your two leads. And uh, I was so blown away when that movie ended. Um, Just like moved so, so much. And uh, I don't know. I still haven't been able to really put to words how that movie made me feel. But I was was so impressed um, with that movie. Like it is, I think, very, very poignant right now to... um, given the uh because again it does kind of it's looking at humanity 
and poses the very common theme found in German expressionism of um, what makes a monster. And I think that is super relevant right now. So if you haven't seen The Elephant Man, listeners, or Corey, um, it is on Amazon Prime uh, Instant Video, or Prime Instant, I think is what they're calling it now. Um, I highly recommend it. Obviously, I think many, many people have recommended that film. So, you know, if you've if you've been putting it off for whatever reason, um, maybe you've seen some of the other, the other Lynch stuff and you thought it was too weird. Uh, Elephant Man is inherently weird because it does deal with a... Uh, disease that makes a person disfigured severely so it's weird there but the rest of it is not like lynch at all there's there is a dream sequence he manages to fit a couple of his uh, stylistic elements into the movie to make it uh like his stuff and he does go black and white but he's definitely pulling heavily from german expressionism in the movie um which fits tonally perfectly so uh just super impressed with that movie i i'm looking forward to showing it to my students I am curious how they'll they'll react to certain aspects of it, but um, I think it's it's such a classic film. And again, same reason I could show Nosferatu or the uh, Doctor Caligari, Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, um, or Metropolis, which is super long. Uh, but again, I feel like silent films with that younger group is hard. So showing a modern film that pulls from German expressionism, I think, is what I'm going to end up doing. So that's what we've been watching. Oh. I guess since I, I basically ran through all the movies, I did see Mile 22 also this weekend. And, um, yeah, you don't have to see that movie. I didn't feel like I needed to anyways. Oh, and I rewatched Tales from the Crypt, the, oh. Movie. Oh, the movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Is that the one that has Corey Feldman or is that the later one that has Feldman in it? Oh, no, this is, uh, no, this is like the original hmm. movie that came out and I'm forgetting what year in the 70s. Um, it has Joan Crawford in it. Okay, because well, he does. I think Bordello for Blood was the one he was in. Like, in yeah, the those. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm not. I can look it up really fast, but it's like I forgot. I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, it, I forgot that this one was five short. You know. Oh, okay, it's an anthology as well. Yeah. Um. Did you? How'd you watch it? You own it or? I do own it, but that lazy girl thing came into play, and it's actually streaming on uh, on Amazon. Oh, okay, cool. There's something yeah. to check out, listeners. If you're uh, into like the old horror anthologies, Corey is. If you've listened to the podcast, both Top 5 or this one, uh, you've heard Corey go on and on about anthology horror films. That is one of her go-tos. 72. And, um, yeah, and so I think that leads us to American Graffiti. Um. 1972 for Tales from the Crypt, huh? Um, yeah. The show is after that then? So, like, that came first, and then the show came, like, in the late 80s or whatever? Yeah, so the Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt. There were two um, horror comic books. I can't remember if they came out in the 50s or 60s, but um, they were owned by the same company or something. And then in the 70s, the movie came out, and then... I can't remember if it's late 80s or early 90s that the show came out. Mm. Which, rewatching those, you can't believe all the like big actors and actresses they had in them. Which is kind of cool, but... Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Um, there's another show... Oh, well, even, like, I've been rewatching Friends, which I'm still, like, I'm on almost through season 8 now. Um, so I only got like two seasons left. I've just been, I just throw it on in the background and I do end up watching it because I do, I, I can't figure out exactly what it is about Friends that keeps me hooked, but I'm hooked. 
I've it been. makes you feel good. It I don't. Does. I feel like sometimes we don't need to explain ourselves. <laughs> like yeah, I feel but, like sometimes we're a little apologetic about it. But well, you know, I do. Uh, Friends has some major flaws for sure. So I always do feel a little, um, like oh boy. Um, and I don't think I don't think I was ever the the target demographic for Friends either. And I just. I don't know, it just clicked with me when I was younger, and I've never walked away from it. It's, I gotta say, Matthew Perry is what initially pulled me in, um, and now over the years of rewatching it, I've, I've, I love almost every aspect of the show. There's a few things... I love Lisa Kudrow. I do, she's become probably my favorite part of the show, but like, I don't think... I think when I was a kid, I found her to be... even. I think early in the series still, like her character is so loose, like they don't really know what they're doing with her. She's just a hippie. And then as the show goes on, I feel like she really like owns that character and it's no longer just like this airheaded, aloof character. She's really like determined and strong and, you know, I don't know. I feel like she has one of the larger arcs in the show. I mean, they all arc uh, fairly well. Joey probably arcs the least. Um, I mean, he grows a little bit, but not significantly compared to the rest. Um, eh, Maybe Ross too, but... I think Monica Chandler and, and Phoebe and Rachel all are... Oh, this is so ridiculous. I feel stupid even having this conversation. Anyways, um, I don't know. But uh, I, I, I don't think I should be able to write... I could probably write a book about Friends at this point, and I shouldn't be able to. I but, think that that um, would be really great, because people who don't know you would totally not expect it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I don't meet, again, the Target demo. But um, I forgot even why I brought it up. I've been watching it, though, and... Because we were talking about, like, big actors and actresses. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and, and Friends, like, all the cameos that show up over the, the time. I mean, Giovanni. some I never forgot, but, like, there are other ones. Like, even, and it's funny, too, because, like, some of the cameos were, like, really big when they happened, but now are ridiculous. Like, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, oh, Being a man. big movie star. It, like, dates it real bad. Yeah, it does, because now he's, like, a joke, you know. Um, but back then, in the in the 90s, he was, like, relevant, and his, he was an action star. But, um you know, and then like Brad Pitt shows up when the, uh, Anderson and him were together, and he, they they cast him as a character who hates Rachel, so it's really funny. Um, of course, now it's again dated severely since they've long since been divorced. But um, let's get into uh, American <laughs> Graffiti. Um, let's look at the stats. American Graffiti, nineteen seventy three, is when it was released. Um, directed by George Lucas, uh, stars Richard Dreyfuss, Ron Howard, Paul Lamatt, which I think is how you say it. It might be Lamatt. It's gotta be Lament. Um, and then we get Cindy Williams has a major role. Um, Candy Clark, I think, has a smaller role. Wolfman Jack is played by Wolfman Jack. Um, actually, it just says disc jockey on here, but he is Wolfman Jack. Um, Bo Hopkins. And then the big one who isn't a big character, but he's a big draw, is Harrison Ford. He doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. Um, where's the... Oh, Carol was Mackenzie Phillips, the, the young girl that rides around with John the whole time. Um, directed by George Lucas and written by George Lucas, and I think this is either his first directing film, or it's, like, really close. Oh, short, 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 short. Okay, THX 13, oh, I'm sorry, 1138 is 1971, and then American Graffiti, so it's the second film, and then he won't, he'll do Star Wars four years later. So, um, oh, interesting. And so, and he also, uh, I want to give credit to Lucas because he also wrote this with Gloria Katz and um, Willard Huchik, I'm going to go with. 
All right. Um, has a 97 Metascore with only 15 reviews and a 7.5 IMDb user rating. Uh, the IMDb plot summary, a couple of high school grads spend one final night cruising the strip with their buddies before they go off to college. Um, and I, I like the dynamic because we have Steve and Kurt are going off to college together. Steve is Ron Howard. Kurt is Richard Dreyfus. Um, Kurt is having second thoughts about leaving everything behind. And Steve is gung-ho, cannot wait. Uh, college life is going to be better um, in his point of view. So, Corey, what were your initial thoughts of American Graffiti? And wait, this was the first time you saw this, right? Yeah. But when it started at the very beginning with like the drive-in and stuff, uh-huh. I I remember some of that. So I don't know if I watched it as a kid. I feel like it would have been with my grandma, but I can't remember. But I just remembered like flashes. Um, <laughs> I was a little concerned because, oh my gosh, I thought it started so slow. Ah, it, it, it kind of like, does. 30 I'm, minutes. Well, even that opening shot, like, of it's a still shot. Um, he uses a, uh, like, a freeze frame, essentially, of the of the drive-in. At first, I thought it was just, like, a stock photo. But then we, we cut into the, the car that was in the picture, and it's, it's Ron Howard standing there. But, like, it was weird to start with such a long freeze frame with all the opening credits. I mean, part of that is the time period, but it still was, like, um, I don't know. It just, it felt different because then we actually do go into the picture and the drive-in is kind of the central hangout for most of the movie we keep coming back to it um yeah the dial it was very dialogue heavy in the opening you know we have to get all of our exposition out of the way through conversation um but i don't know i i i'm such a sucker for richard dreyfus like hooper I, is it, one of my favorites so Took me a few minutes to realize that was him. Yeah, he's super babyface in this. Um, yes. I mean, when we see him in Jaws, he's you know bearded and uh, not not looking quite so uh, young and and fresh. But um, his his laugh, his laugh to me is such a trademark. Yeah. Um, especially because like it's like he has that nervous, sarcastic laugh that uh, he does as Hooper quite a bit, um, and then he does in. I don't know if you've ever seen um, What About Bob with him and Bill Murray. Oh, uh, not in forever, but yes. Yeah. What's he the psychiatrist? He is, yeah. Okay. He's That's one of his rare, like, he's a huge jerk in that, you know. Um, I mean, kind of justified because you kind of understand why he's a jerk, but at the same time, like, you know, he he's, he's clearly, like, the antagonist for most of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. You're supposed to be sympathetic to Bob, not to the psychiatrist, but... Um, Poor Bob. Yeah, poor Bob. But um, <laughs> Dreyfus, I even actually wrote in my my second note for American Graffiti is Dreyfus is a baby face. Like, because <laughs> I was so, I just like, like, Richard Dreyfus is in this. Where is he? And then I was like, oh, the wavy hair kind of. But, well, that's, I kept waiting for Harrison Ford, right? Because, like, yeah. uh, depending on where you look, he's listed very high on the cast because he's Harrison Ford. But he's not Harrison Ford in this movie. He's a nobody in this movie. Um, and but I, I just feel like that is how Harrison Ford really is in life. He's cocky, mm-hmm. very self-assured. I mean, that's just what I think of you. <laughs> you know, not I don't know me of, of Harrison Ford. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was like, if Whoa, he's ever really? listening, no, not at all. But you know what I mean? Because I feel like most of the things that I've seen him in, that's that's what he plays. Yeah. Well, he definitely comes in like a Han Solo character, right? Like he's looking to race. I mean, um. It, this is before Han Solo, but Lucas, you know, wrote both characters, so you kind of got to wonder. And I, there is a story 
about how he was cast, and I don't know if it was for this or how he was cast for Star Wars. Um, given that Lucas directed this, I'm guessing it was how he was cast for this. Like he was a stagehand or something, like helping to build sets, and he got cast or something like that as a, you know, unexpectedly. So the way he is here definitely translates into Han Solo to me. Like a lot of the the cocksure attitude. Um, I mean, he it's all it's there for sure. And then uh, Ron Howard. I'm not as familiar with as an actor. Um, I I know he was on Happy Days, and he was kind of a nerd, if I'm not mistaken, on Happy Days. I've only seen bits and pieces of Happy Days. I've never really, like, sat and watched the old series, but I always was under the impression that he was, like, a nerdy character. And then, obviously, he was Opie on Andy Griffith, if I'm not mistaken, but that's, like, he was super young when he was on that. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, I remember him in Happy Days, but I can't... I felt like he was a goody two shoes, but I can't remember very Maybe well. Maybe that's what I was thinking of as nerd, like because especially compared to the Fonz, who's supposed to be the cool guy. Um, and here he is not that; he is a, a total dick. I think in this movie, um, and that's not like I'm not saying that about Ron Howard, but like the character, like there's some which I think scenes. it's so funny. Yeah, right. Like cause from what we learn later on. When I'm looking at him too, I'm just like, why is he like this? Like he doesn't look like he would be a guy who is super cool, but he does seem to be kind of cool. Right off the babes. Yeah. Um, but the, the biggest surprise to me was the character who's the actor who I'm not familiar with, uh, Paul Lamatt or Paul Lamatt. I don't, I know I'm butchering it, but, um, he plays John Miller who John Miller takes a major, I would say he, he's the third main character. Um, with the only exception being, uh, Toad or Terry who has played, I didn't say his name at the top. His name is, uh, I don't think they call him Tiger. He calls himself no. Tiger. Yeah. Um, Charles Martin Smith is the actor who plays him. Uh, those are your four main characters. They kind of all, the their threads separate and the stories kind of weave in and out, um, which I do think Lucas doesn't do a great job balancing that. I feel like there are times where, we're, where it feels like we're away from some characters for much longer um, than others. Um, which, I mean, that's a choice and that I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but it does feel like the way the story should be weaving together um, is a little looser than I, I would have preferred. And that could be part of that. Like you mentioning, it's feeling a little slow at the beginning. Um, but I have to say, before we get into spoilers, um, this movie reminded me of some other really big, iconic coming of age stories from our time. Um, Sandlot? Sandlot? Actually, so the guy who plays, oh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, the nerd boy and Sandlot that wants to uh, kiss Wendy Peppercorn. Yes. How I can't help but think that they, whoever like wrote or directed that movie, totally just based him off a of Toad. Okay. He's, he's Toad. Yeah, I can totally see that. I can Toad Elise. Toad Elise. Um, there you go. But uh, I also think that Richard Linklater. Uh, borrowed John's character at the beginning of the movie as uh, Matthew McConaughey's character in Dazed and Confused. Now, to be fair, that's not necessarily that could just be an archetype that's out there in the world. This older guy who can't leave high school behind. Um, but that was my initial impression of John, especially hearing them talk about John. Um, I think John gets a much deeper character study than what McConaughey's character gets in Dazed and Confused. Um, like I, I. At the end of the movie, John was probably my favorite character. My favorite, hands down. Um, and and but I think Dreyfus is supposed to be our real, true main character. 
And um, I don't know if you caught this, and I am curious to hear your thoughts on this, but uh, this movie reminded me so much of Can't Hardly Wait. Um, that I like, especially the DJ aspect of this movie. Um, oh, word! Yeah, that really like I'm like, man, I Can't Hardly Wait pulled that. Like, I think that arc, that storyline from this, like so much, and then even like the way that it interweaves because we are split initially with like four characters and they all, all their stories end up weaving together in can't hardly wait. And I think we get that kind of in this uh, same way more thing. cohesive and yeah. can't hardly wait. <laughs> it it kind of is, but it, it, cause it's really Ethan Embry's story. Everyone else is just, you know, the side stories, but, um, and I don't think that is here. I feel like this one is trying to be more of an ensemble piece, but like there are clear standouts. Like I don't, John does not start off as a main character. Like I thought John was going to be an ancillary character that just gets in the, the story. Sure. But I was he kind of up, expecting. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And he ends up being such a vital character um, that I don't know if that just kind of took a life of its own or if, uh, if it's just, again, because Lucas is writing his, he's given us some amazing stuff, but he has also given us some slop and I, I don't like to deny that, you know, yes, we have Indiana Jones and we have star Wars, um, he is not given, you can't give him full credit for Empire Strikes Back. Um, while the ideas that started with him there, uh, Lawrence Kasdan has a lot to do with Empire being the masterpiece that it is. And then you have the, the prequels that I think are generally nitpicked and, and judged harshly. So while Lucas has given us some great big ideas, I think sometimes in the minutia, he loses his uh talent maybe like with those little details or he gets way too into details like in the prequels and the uh all the government talk that are unnecessary to the bigger picture of what the star wars universe is but um i i overall though um because i I, unless there's anything else non-spoiler you want to discuss no um i i definitely enjoyed this movie i see it being um such a uh genre builder i think for the uh coming of age stories i don't know what i've not done any research to see like where the coming of age stories like originate if there is one that kind of sets the the tone but so much of what i because again this is a genre that i very much embrace and watch a lot of i see threads from this film in so many of the modern ones um that I, it's hard to i haven't seen anything i don't think earlier than this one so in my eyes i'm seeing this as like kind of the the precursor to so many movies that I love, like, like we've mentioned both can't hardly wait and days and confused, both of which I am a big fan of. Um, and I think if I really started like looking more and, and fine tuning some fine tune, looking through everything, I would see similar, but what about you? Did you, uh, did you like it? Uh, yes. After the first 30 minutes. Okay. So, uh, you really, I don't, I didn't feel that negatively towards the first 30 minutes and I'm not sure if I was just kind of, zoned out maybe for the first 30 minutes so it didn't bother me i just me. kept waiting i'm like this movie is so highly regarded mm. why <laughs> i was like why did we choose this but i think it was like right at 30 minutes and i was like okay i have an hour and 23 minutes i can do this and then it got good did you make a note of like what finally when it turned like what what was the first like moment that started to be compelling because i'm not questioning you i'm just like my brain's trying to like remember what the first 30 minutes was to see if I, I felt like almost all of it was them at them at the drive-in i can't remember exactly what it was but once they finally started like cruising around and hmm. um like inner like i guess kind of like parting ways maybe it 
just, I, I don't know. I also feel like you have to be a little more, you know, into it to keep up with what's happening and you're being introduced to other characters. So maybe it was about the time that they went to the sock hop. Okay. That could make sense. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking. That seems to be where I started taking notes. Cause he tells, he tells the girl before they go to the sock hop that he wants to see other people. He, that's still at the drive-in. Um, the staying and going, that's at the drive-in. Guy Phillips is boss. That's still at the drive-in. So I'm looking at where my notes kind of start like getting more active. But I didn't take too many notes. I was trying to... Uh, I have a bad habit of taking notes where all I do is just like write down plot points. And I don't usually need that. Um, so I was trying to only write down like my thoughts on things rather mm-hmm. than just like what happened. Um, so I have less notes than I normally do, but, um, but yeah. All right. That, uh, folks, we both liked American Graffiti. We'll get more in, uh, more into detail in the following segment. Corey. Guys, you can go check this out somewhere, but, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about American Graffiti in great detail from here on out. You've been warned. Yeah, I, we did buy it, uh, digitally, um, but it is available, uh, to rent or buy on most of the streaming platforms. Um, it used to be on Prime Instant, but they did recently remove it. Um, yeah, it was for, like, the longest time, too. I had it on my queue forever, and I just never got to it. Um, okay, so I think the worst line in the movie, uh, maybe not the worst line, but one of them is, um, Harrison Ford, when he's looking for John, I don't remember if he's talking to, um, Toad or if he's talking to, uh, Ron Howard. I think he's talking to Toad. He says, I'm looking for John to blow his ass right off the road or something like that. It's like, blow his ass? Like, what the hell? I, I watch everything with subtitles. It's just what I do because I'm old. Mm-hmm. And they kept changing the subtitles to not be as bad as the actual, like, dialogue oh, really? in the film. That's yeah. funny. And that was one of them. And I can't, I was just like, really? And then there was one where they're talking about the color. They were talking about John's car and it's like piss yellow and puke green. And they make it like plain yellow and puke green. And it wasn't like somebody just making mistakes. It was only the ones that were like, you know, it was so funny. So, um, I think my favorite, we already said John was our favorite character, but I also, um, I also really liked, uh, John, the character, not the actor. The actor is Paul Lamet, Lamat, whatever. But um, John and the interaction with uh, I think Carol is the little, the the younger girl. He ends up picking up on accident. Yeah, because uh, he he a car full of girls and he's like, hey, why don't y'all cruise with me for a while? Which is that's at that point he's still reminding me very much of McConaughey. Um, you know, I just hear like the, I keep getting older and they keep staying the same age. You know, like that's what I hear in my head with this guy around. Oh God. Um, but then Carol gets in the car and she's very young. Um, and I, I, man, I love the dynamic of their relationship. Um, you know how, like even, uh, I, well, there is a part that bugs me about their relationship when the cop pulls them over and she threatens to tell the cop that he's trying to rape her. Rape her. Yes. I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. That's not cool. Like that's not cool anytime. But I mean, like, You're gonna get someone arrested. Yeah, like it was really like, oh boy, that's crazy. Um, but she doesn't, uh, so that's good. But like, yeah, that that line, and then um, there's also the part later on where he's trying to get her to tell him where she lives so he can take mm-hmm. her home, mm-hmm. and you find out that oh well, my dad's called the cops before, blah blah blah, and he's like, oh heck, and then he like says that he's attracted to her and he's not really, but he's no. trying to make her uncomfortable, but yep. still 
that made me uncomfortable. Yeah, but I was okay with it because I could tell John was he was he tried everything else, so he went with reverse psychology. The only thing he hadn't tried was to make a move on her. Because um, even Word. that one scene when there's a another car pulls up and he like pushes her head down, and she's like, "Is this coughing a fear?" And he's like, "What the hell? No!" Like <laughs> I, that was um, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, he was, like I mean, when I'm watching a movie with Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Ron Howard, who again I'm not as familiar with as an actor, but you know I know who he is mainly from his directing, and then Harrison Ford is billed. I'm expecting this guy John to be nothing to me, um, as I've not seen anything else. Well. I'm not familiar with the other movies I've looked at on his list. I have seen he's in he's built in one of the Puppet Master movies, and I used to watch those pretty regularly on HBO when I was a kid. So I don't know if he's a voice or if he's one of like the adults, like the actual people in the movie. Um, but I didn't dig that deep yet. But I was really impressed with him in this movie. I, I really like this character. I thought because um, he's also like when he saves Toad when Toad's getting beat up by the guys who stole his car. And he, like, comes running to, like, you know, showcase how awesome he is. Like, I don't know. I was totally into John. I mean, I think he's also the most misunderstood. You know, like, everyone kind of looks down at him because he didn't go off to college. And you can tell that he has regrets, but he's still trying to, you know, be comfortable with who he is. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought he was really complex, and I was really kind of taken into to his story. I, I agree. And we learned that he's a mechanic, which just... Mm-hmm. You know, goes perfectly with what he loves to do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's um, you know he's into to racing and he's he's got that reputation and even his reputation is being threatened in this movie that he's not the fastest that he's not this the best there is and uh, even after he wins and for that freaking car accident um, is pretty crazy with luckily nobody's hurt but uh, we have um, I forgot Larry? her name. Linda, Laura, Lori, Lori, um, is in the car with, with, uh, Harrison Ford's character and, um, they, they wreck pretty hard car catches on fire and blows up. Uh, but, um, and then Ron Howard and the girl get back together, which I do want to spend some time talking about them. But before we do that, um, John, even after that race is like telling Toad that he almost lost it. If, if the guy hadn't wrecked, he would have, he knows he would have lost. And yeah, he Toad's, was beating me. Yeah, and Toad's, like, insistent that, no, no, man, you had him, but John's, you know, everyone else thinks so, like, they've put John as, like, a legend almost, and John definitely does not view himself in that way, and that's what I think was so interesting, is because that's, I thought we were going to get that character, this guy who's super arrogant, and he's put in his place because, um, you know, he, he kind of gives uh, Richard Dreyfus a little bit, Kurt, some crap for leaving, but then when Kurt says he's not, then he gets mad at him for not leaving, you know, like, like you're, you're going to give up an opportunity that I, I wish I had. I wish I could have gotten away from this town. This town's changing and I'm stuck here. And oh man, I, I really, the more I look at that character, the more I was really, really taken by him. Um, yeah. Is there uh, any, any other elements of John you want to discuss? Um, mm, um, well, I do want to talk about the one part where I think that their dynamic really changes, he and Carol, when this other car pulls up to them, mm, yes. and blah, 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 and they throw the water balloon in, and it hits Carol, and she's laughing, and they're having fun, and then they have shaving cream or something. Yeah, it's some type of shaving cream. And they just, like, put it all over the car windows, and they're just having such a blast. I don't know. I really like that scene. Yeah, me too. Um, 
I thought that was a like because when she got hit with the water balloon, I thought I wasn't sure how she was gonna react. Gonna be a brat or something, or yeah. throw you know throw fit, but no. Like I was, I just thought it was funny that it hit her because it had to like go past him and yeah. then hit her in the face, and like he laughs and then she laughs and then they they get them back, and I, it was it was a fun scene and it does change their dynamic. That's a really good point because um, even when he kicks her out of the car and she's like walking, oh, and like, those guys are like catcalling her. And he, like, kind of comes to the rescue and picks, like, opens the door for her. I, I was really, like, yeah, John, do the right thing, you know? He always does the right thing. He does. I, I mean, God, it, that character at the beginning, I thought it was going to be, like, totally the Matthew McConaughey. And, I mean... I was expecting kind of a meathead. Yes. Yeah, the Matthew McConaughey character isn't as bad as I'm probably making him sound in Days and the Confused. I think he does have... It's been a while since I've... I mean, it's been, like, a year since I watched it, but... Um, I feel like he has a few redeemable moments. He's not always just the skeezy perv, but he's mainly the skeezy perv, especially because of that line I said earlier. Um, but John came off like that's who he was going to be, and then I feel like they really went a different direction. Um, and I like that a, a whole lot because, again, that was I wasn't anticipating him being such a big character, and he is one of the major characters. Okay. And so I want to talk about Kurt, uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character. Um, I like his, his character to me is the, the main one. He is, uh, torn. He doesn't want to leave. He's afraid to leave. And yet, um, is the one who really probably needs to leave the most. And he's looking for love. So that's where I feel like the Ethan Embry element from Can't Hardly Wait really comes into this movie is he's looking for this big love moment. He doesn't have one in mind like Ethan Embry does in Can't Hardly Wait, but he is, looking for and he sees this girl in a car who looks like she mouths i love you and that becomes his his uh uh mcguffin for the film he's chasing her the the rest of the movie even though you know he doesn't know for sure what she said he has no information nobody seems to know who she is because everybody that claims to know gives a different answer story yeah um but eventually that leads to the the voice that we've heard throughout the film wolfman um the dj and he ends up at the radio station, which is, again, where I really feel that connection to Can't Hardly Wait. And the payphone at the end, when the girl calls on the payphone, that's reminiscent to me as well. Um, different reasons, but still, it's all like kind of the same staging and stuff. Um, and then the girl calling, she hears the radio, she calls the number, but doesn't tell us who she is still. She's still a, a mystery Um a ghost that he'll chase forever, I guess is maybe like the, the point why it's right for him to leave and not stay. Cause it's just something he's, it's this dream that he's chasing in this place that isn't going to necessarily ever provide the, the thing he's looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I haven't like fully analyzed. I mean, I, we, it's less than 24 hours since we watched this movie. Um, but that was like, I've been trying to kind of come up with that decision. Like, why don't we get closure with that? Cause that's obviously a major difference and can't hardly. Wait. Well, because I think that if he had any more to go off of, he would have he would have stayed, or been disappointed, right? Like she maybe she is because she's a legend right now. She's she literally is a ghost because he's heard so many different stories. Like I think somebody said it was a teacher's wife or something like that. And it no, was, a jeweler's wife. Jeweler's wife, and um, that he's much older than her. Yeah, and like she's like a gold digger. And then someone said she was a prostitute. The one of the pharaohs oh. said she's a prostitute. Um, like you couldn't afford her and he's like what are you saying she's a hooker and he's like that's what i'm saying and things like that so like there's all these different stories over this 
girl of his dream, so to speak. And when he finally gets to speak to her, she gives him nothing. Just that she'll be cruising the strip again. Um, and yeah, I think I, I agree. Um, had it, it would have either have been. I mean, she's a metaphor, you know, like, cause even if she mouthed, I love you to him, they don't know each other. Why would you want to be with someone who told you you love, she loves you through a car window? You know what I mean? Like, I think that she's perhaps a little unstable. Yeah. But. Like it's not, the, it's not the way a relationship would normally start, but he's so consumed by that prospect. that It's something to keep him there. I think that's what he, he like, ultimately he's looking for he's something looking for. to keep him there. And um, she gives him that option in a way, like, I'll be here, but I'm not going to give you any more than that. Just that I'm here. I'll be around. If you're, if you want to stay and keep looking for me, maybe you'll find me or maybe you should go see what else is out there. And he does, um, it, it's one of the compelling arcs of the film is that he, who is at the beginning of the film sounding like he does not want to leave, leaves. And Ron Howard, who is so excited about leaving, decides he's going to stay for at least another year. Um, I, I'm under the impression that Laura or Lori is Kurt's sister. Yeah, she is. Okay. And so she's a year younger than them, I think. Um, so she'll graduate next year and then they'll go off together. But cause Ron Howard at the beginning of the movies, all that guy who's looking to, um, you know, break up and he's the, the jock in, um, can't hardly wait who breaks up with, uh, Amanda and then yep. finds that, you know, life isn't as green after, you know, single afterwards. Um, and so, that's where I want to talk about because this movie definitely is dated in some areas. And the thing that I think bothered me the most uh, was two different ways Laurie was spoken to. Um, one, when they're at the dance and he says, let's dance. And she says, no. And he like grabs her by the shoulders. And her response to him is slug me in the face or something like that. Like hit me, go ahead, mess up my face. And I'm just like, whoa. That is way too normalized. Like that—that's a behavior that she was expecting, and she's encouraging him to do it. Now, it doesn't mean he's ever done it, but the way he was acting was very possessive. And oh man, I was so like kind of upset because that you know domestic violence like that really, really, really bugs me. And then when she ends up with Harrison Ford, he says something kind of messed up like that too, where it's just like you don't get to have an opinion essentially because you're a woman. Now I know that's of the time to a degree, but I don't feel like I've seen it in that young of a, a group of people like it, like in Greece, which is set in the same time period or so, you know, maybe this is a little later. Um, I don't feel like the women are, are treated quite so like aggressively, like, and if they are, like, cause a couple of guys talk to Rizzo pretty aggressively. Rizzo just stands up. And I don't like Grease, and I know enough about it, though, to, like, make my point. Like, Rizzo would kick the guy in the nuts if she if they did that to her. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it was, I was a little shocked. Um, especially because this is from the same writer that we will later get Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia, um, who is so strong and so, uh, and granted, very different worlds. Like that one's from a story a long, long time ago, far, far away. But um, <laughs> I can't. Oh. But nonetheless, like, I, and again, I'm obviously I'm not from this era, so I don't know if this was just the norm. But um, it it did because uh, I think even Carol says something to John, like, "What are you gonna slug me or something like that?" 
But I think John's kind of like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to hit you. And, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he says, I am going to hit you. I don't know. But I don't know. <laughs> um, Steven, which is Ron Howard's character, is not, I don't like at all. And um, he is, he has a huge ego at the end, at the beginning of the film. And by the end, it's deflated to almost nothing. Well, because we end up finding out that, well, he's acting like he's going to go off to college and he's going to get all these babes and, mm-hmm. you know, you stay here and you date people and it's going to be fine and we'll see if we really love each other, which we really do, I think he says, but that doesn't make any sense. But then we end up finding out that he didn't even ask her out. He, it took him so long to kiss her. It He isn't that kind of person. Yeah, he's trying. When, and he doesn't look I mean, like that kind of person. That's the thing. Sometimes, I mean, you can go off and be a different person when you're in a new place you don't sure. have to you know but i feel like those kinds of things it's a little different than yeah i, I don't know and then we get the uh, comedic relief of the movie is toad um who is the the apparent loser like even at the the very first time we see him he's parking his moped and then like it runs into the vending <laughs> machine i think it was a vending <laughs> yeah. machine um and he's just like doesn't even know what to do. Like when it happens, just like ah. Oh. And everything that happens through to Toad throughout the film is pretty funny. Um, he's in some very dangerous situations. Like the the one guy steals the liquor for him, and like the the guy runs out of the shop <laughs> in the shooting. Uh, the car gets stolen. He picks up the random girl uh, that was walking down the road. Um, Who's a bad girl? <laughs> she is. Uh, which is interesting because they try to play her off as though she's not. And then once she gets in the car, she very much is, um, you know, very, you know, forward thinking and. Uh, oh, sex- is that what we're gonna say? Um, well, aggressive she's, and. Well, she's telling him to go get booze, or why don't we go do this stuff? And you find out, like, she's hit on by this guy who's obviously not the best guy. Yeah, yeah, the guy that like, comes up on the car. Yeah, and also when she's walking and Toad saves her, and all those guys. And I just feel like, which we see guys doing that to Carol, too, so that doesn't, uh-huh. I don't know. I just feel like they do try to make her seem like a good girl, but then we're kind of shown that she's maybe not really. Yeah, which, seeing men catcalling women like that in this movie making me so uncomfortable. Like, I'm, you know, it's it's 2018, and it's not... It still happens! and I'm sure, but I don't think, like... <sighs> I don't think people are as comfortable with it happening now. Like, I think it happens in, in small packs. And then, like, I, I, at least maybe that's how my progressive brain wants to be. Um, that I also, my father brain, I have a 14-year-old, you know, daughter who I don't want to ever walk down a street and be catcalled. Now, she has had some people do some things that in the in the last several months that we've been, like, very unhappy with. Um, Please get that girl some pepper spray man um the the paranoia but you know it is it is there's so much it's like everyone's just catcalling like and again like carol's doesn't look old enough to be catcalled she looks like a kid she's even dressed like a kid compared to like all the other girls in the movie she's wearing yeah she's wearing a a huge t-shirt yes a very loose fitting t-shirt so there's there's nothing they I, I feel like Lucas did a very good job of taking any sexuality away from her, and not in a negative way. She's not ugly, although she does call herself, like, ugly, I think, or people think I'm ugly, something like that, when she... Oh, his, your car is uglier than my face or something, I think well, she said. That, yes, and that part, she's like, wait, that didn't come out right, but um, <laughs> when she first gets in the car, and she's like, um, 
like they didn't want me hanging out either. I'm not pretty enough or something. She she says it in that first meeting where he's trying to get her to leave because he he feels hornswoggled. You know that he had agreed to let a girl get in the car, but didn't realize he was letting like a twelve year old get in the car. Um, they never say her age, but I'm I'm assuming she's in like twelve, fourteen at the oldest. Um, but she looks like a kid, and that's what made the catcalling so much more like bothersome to me because she doesn't look like the other girl it's not like she's a kid that he mistook for a high school kid now he's like uncomfortable this is a kid from the the moment we meet her she's she looks young and she looks innocent too like she's not dressed inappropriately she doesn't act inappropriately she the few moments that happen like when he puts her he- her head in his lap not for anything sexual but i don't even think her. it was on the lap he just put her head on the seat okay well i i I'm not sure how big the car seats are, I guess. In my head, there wasn't room for that. But either way, it's not like she's face down on his lap. You know what I mean? Like, the back of her head is what's touching the seat. Because you see the shot of her, like, with her head down. And she goes, is this copping a feel? Which I already mentioned, but I I still think that's one of the funniest moments in the movie. Um, because, one, he his reaction, like, no, what are you talking about? And then uh, her being, because that shows how innocent she is. She doesn't know anything, you know, like... Uh, she just has heard terms and that, and so those catcalls are so bothersome, which makes him even more of a hero because he quickly realizes that he can't let this young girl just wander the strip because the people on the strip are not good people, apparently. Mm-mm. But yeah, I um, I definitely like this movie a lot. Um, I I I think we've covered the four main story arcs. Um. I do feel for Lori. I, I wish she doesn't go back to Steve because I do feel like Steve's a jerk. Um, but you I know. mean, girl, you're the head cheerleader. Go get you a new man. <laughs> and that's at being a junior, right? Like, cause she's not a senior. Well, she'll be yeah. a senior. So I mean, I guess maybe she. We don't know when she became the head cheerleader, but nonetheless, um, there's nothing about Steve that says she should be with Steve. So other than she loves him, but I mean, the way he treats her, she shouldn't be with him anymore. At the end of the movie, I think that would have, to me. She's in the accident with him. She gets out of the car and realizes, like, her life is too short to be with some a-hole like Steve. You know, that I would have preferred that arc for her. No, she just goes right back to uh, to Steve, and Steve's like, I'm sorry, and that's good enough. Um, I don't agree with that at all. He might be sorry, but uh, everything, the way he acted, especially the way he acted at the dance, I don't, I don't like that character, so. Mm-mm. Um... You got anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the episode? No. So, this is the part Corey hates. Um, we give our rating for uh, American Graffiti from 1973. I am going to go... Um, I, I'm not, I don't feel like it's must-see. There's some things in it that I don't think hold up over time. I do think it's very good. I think it's entertaining. Um, it does have some weak spots, as we've mentioned. So I'm going to go Not Quite Golden Pony Boy. And... I think that I am going to as well. Okay. So both give it, basically, uh, that's our equivalent of like a four out of five, but that's not totally accurate depending on how you judge a four-star movie. But um, both of us liked it. Uh, Next week, we will be back to conclude the high school movie episodes. Um, We're going to be watching the film Fame from I don't know when. It's the 80s version of Fame. Um, I guess there's only that version of Fame, isn't there? I, keep, I don't really know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one that I know very little about. 1982. Um, so I was born the year it came out. Nope, that's the TV series. I was wrong. Hang on. Sorry, I forgot there was a TV series. I guess 1980. 
um, is the movie, and it chronicled the lives of several teenagers who attend a New York high school for students gifted in the performing arts. Uh, this is, as of the recording of this episode, it is streamable on Amazon Prime Instant. Um, I don't know if it will still be, because, you know, things come and go off of that series quite a bit. I am not familiar with, like, anybody in this movie. Um, oh, Richard Belzer, because he's on uh, Law & Order SVU. He's Munch. He's way down on the list. I don't know what he plays in this. Uh, directed by Alan Parker. Um, has a 6.6 IMDb user score and a 58 uh, IMDb, or, um, Metacritic score. And there is a remake, it looks like, from 2009. And Kelsey Grammer is in that one. Um, oh, and that has a really low Metascore. So we're going to go with the 1981 for sure. Uh, Corey, you picked this. Is there any particular reason? Or are you just because it was a high school movie? Just because it's a high school movie. I was struggle busing. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many that qualify, but yeah, it's one, we've seen a lot of the modern ones, um, so fame is where we're going for the next episode. In the meantime, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast, of course, please, if you like what we do, share it, tell your friends about us, um, if you want to support us, there is a link in the show notes, um, if you click that link, you can either go right to, uh, our host, anchor.fm, or... Um, you can go to our Patreon and, and give a donation as little as you want um, or as much as you want. Either way, uh, we would be so grateful because it helps us uh, defer the cost of seeing all the movies and um, paying for all the hosting and whatnot. Um, you can also follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews, B-E-R-K Reviews. And Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. Send us your thoughts at contact at BurkeReviews.com. That's contact at BurkeReviews.com. And in uh, till next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.